Okay, so this week we're learning about Korach and his argument with Moshe Rabbeinu and Aaron and we want to understand what this story really has to do with us, why does Hashem tell us this story, and it's actually very relevant this week, as this week is Gimel Tammuz, Rebbe's Day, and let's go right to it. It says in, there's a, there's a book, many books, about um, Jewish history and the order of things in the Torah. It's called Seder Olam. Seder Olam says that Korach only began arguing against Moshe Rabbeinu after the story of the spies. Just like it says in the Torah, Parsha Shlach is before Parsha Korach. Not always is the order of the Torah a chronological order, but uh, he actually began his argument against Moshe Rabbeinu in right after that story. Um, and they prove it because uh, in Dasan and Aviram's words to Moshe Rabbeinu, saying that he shouldn't lead the Jewish people, they said, you haven't brought us the land of milk and honey. So that means we're talking about after they knew already, they weren't going to arrive in Israel. So when did they find out they're not going to go to Israel? After the spies came back. So that's how they prove that this, this story of Korach happened after they heard already that they're not going to um, uh, go to Israel. So the question is, why did Korach wait till after the story of the spies to argue against Moshe and Aaron? What was his argument? What, 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 what motivated him to be upset at Moshe and Aaron? Motivated, what, what, what bothered him was, was the fact that God took away the, um, the right of the firstborn from, uh, to serve in the temple, and he gave it away to Aaron and to his children. When did that happen? That happened either at the time the Torah was given, or it happened when the tabernacle was put up. So, according to everybody, uh, Aaron Akain was already in service uh, at the, um, the first day of Nisan, which was a year before. So, either a year before Korach on the 6th of Sivan, or on the uh, 23rd day of Adar, on the first day of Nisan, in the, in the a year before the spies went out and a year before the spies came back um, so the question is why did Korach wait for his argument against Moshe until after the spies came back his problem was that the right of the firstborn was given to Aaron and, and to Aaron's children if that's his problem so then he should have gotten up as soon as that happened why did he doesn't wait? Rock, huh? Doesn't Rocky say that he was triggered by Eshtapan being appointed head of Kahas? Oh, so even according to the opinion that says that he was upset because Elitzaf and Ben Uziel was appointed as leader of the, the uh, uh, family of Kahas, the Elitzaf's appointment was a lot earlier. Elitzaf's appointment was when they counted the Levian and the, the Counting Jewish people was in the beginning of the month of Iyar. But when did the spies come back? The spies came back on on Tishaba. So we must say that Korach's argument was triggered specifically by what happened with the spies. 
So what was the problem that the spies had with going to Eretz Yisrael? What bothered them? Why didn't they want to go to Israel? So the, so the reason they didn't want to go to Israel is, is because they didn't want to lose their vehicles. They didn't want to lose their attachment to godliness and to holiness. They felt in the desert, they have no worries, everything's, everything's taken care of by Hashem. They're able to, uh, to just stay spiritual. Going into Israel, now they physically perform mitzvahs, that, 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 that didn't want, they didn't want to do that. They felt that here is a place where to spiritually connect to Hashem. Why do we need to go to Israel? They wanted to stay and study Torah with Moshe in the desert instead of going to Israel and to do mitzvahs physically. The difference between Torah and mitzvahs is that Torah is associated with understanding. In, in understanding, there are different levels. There is, everyone understands Torah different, different, differently. But regarding mitzvahs, Everyone does the same mitzvahs. Everyone puts on tefillin the same way. They're, they're, or different customs, but generally the action of performing mitzvahs is the same by everybody. And that's why Korach was upset and he, and he argued against Moshe Rabbeinu and he argued against Aaron specifically after the spies came back. Because now that the hierarchy is connected to... Um, now that I've discovered the, most, the highest echelons in Judaism is the physical performance of mitzvahs, so why is, why is Moshe Rabbeinu different and higher than me? Why is Aaron higher and different than me? If you were to say the most important, the highest echelon in Judaism is understanding Torah, so Moshe Rabbeinu, who is the, he gets it directly from the source, he's higher. Aaron, who heard it second, because after Moshe received it, he taught it to Aaron, then he taught it to Aaron's children and to the elders, so I understand that there is a hierarchy and they, they should take precedence over me. But now that we've established, after the story of the spies, that the most important thing is the doing mitzvahs physically and spiritual things like the study of Torah is, is not the, the ultimate goal. So Korach said, if, if that's the ultimate goal, the physical performance of mitzvahs, then why is Moshe head and shoulders above everyone else? Regarding the physical performance of mitzvahs, are all the same. Huh? Wasn't life in the desert for the next 39 years mostly spiritual anyway? Most of the physical stuff didn't start until we conquered Eretz Good, but Kerov saying, I learned my lesson in Jewish philosophy from last week. I know that mitzvahs are the main thing. So I have a problem right now. Why is Moshe the leader? Why is head and shoulders above us? Why is Aaron head and shoulders above us? The main thing is the physical performance of mitzvahs. If the main thing is the physical performance of mitzvahs, so then um, you, you're not better than me. What makes you better than me was Kerech's problem. You're not better than me. If we're talking about understanding Torah, of course you're better than me. If we're talking about your love and reverence for Hashem, of course you're better than me. But if, talk, but if the main thing, if the way to, if the yardstick that we measure higher and lower in Judaism is performance of mitzvahs, I also put on film. I learned last week's Torah portion very well, Kerech says. I learned that the most important thing is observing mitzvahs. It's not about being spiritual and and. and, and attaching yourself to Hashem in a higher spiritual way. The most important thing is the physical performance of mitzvahs. So the question is, why is it that you are higher than everybody else? That, that, that's, that was Kerach's problem. This explains something else. It says that Kerach brought with him to Meishe Rabbeinu 250 leaders of the Jewish people. And among them, uh, the heads of the Sanhedrin, heads of the Jewish courts, so the people, if he's against, it sounds like the Kerech was like a communist. 
Like he wants everyone to be the same. But the ones he brought with him to, to oppose Moshe Rabbeinu were also leaders. So, and the tribe of Levi is also above the rest of the Jewish people. So if he's against the, the, the hierarchy in general, so then he should be against himself. And the answer is he wasn't against um, hierarchy in general. He wasn't against there being someone that some should be above others and everyone has a role and sometimes there are leaders and there are followers and, there, and everyone has things that they're able to be, to be leaders in. That wasn't his, um, his issue. He knew about that. What his issue was, was that Moshe Rabbeinu's exaltedness over the rest of the Jewish people was incomparably greater than any other kind of um, echelon in the Jewish people. His, he was placed in a whole different, 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 different space. Moshe Rabbeinu was a, the king of the Jewish people, as the Torah says. The Rambam says Moshe had a status of a, of a king. And so if Moshe Rabbeinu's uh, status is based upon his spiritual uh, level, he's not better. He, he does mitzvahs like we do mitzvahs. Um, he agrees, Kairach, that there are different levels of people and observe, their observance in certain things. Um, but the kind of exaltedness that Meshachin has of the Jewish people as being, being a king, that doesn't make sense. Another, another problem that Kairach had with Meshachin Rabbeinu's sovereignty is like this. It says that there's a difference between the relationship between a teacher and a student and people of a country and the king. A teacher teaches a student Torah. That's how they're connected. But the connection of the people, the country, and the king is in their whole being. The Gemara says that if someone's in front of the king and he makes the slightest movement in front of the king, he, he, he just, just, just singles to someone else. He just makes the tiniest hint. He deserves a death penalty. Why does he deserve a death penalty? He's just making a slight move in front of the king. The answer is, is that uh, the, the idea of a king in Judaism is that the, every one of the people, the country, their whole being is, and it needs to be permeated with his, with his sovereignty. And so him, by person, uh, their life is connected to the king, according in Judaism. Unlike a teacher and a student, it says that if someone, like for example, uh, dis- dis- disrespects his teacher, and he says halacha in front of his teacher, okay, he's not supposed to do that, that's not considered respectful. Um, the, the, the parallel for that in, in, in the monarchy would be to disagree with the king. But, but regarding, in Judaism, the king is called, as Ramam says, the heart of the Jewish people. And therefore, the, the Jewish people's whole existence is in their king. So them, them having some kind of existence outside their king, by, which, which, was, uh, which a person may do by just signaling in front of the king that he is there, there's no, that, that's the opposite of their life. That's not, life is with the king. So to a Meishu Rabbeinu. Meishu Rabbeinu was uh, the one who not only taught the Jewish people Torah, but everything the Jewish people received was through Meishu Rabbeinu. It says that Meishu Rabbeinu, and also the, the, the Meishu of every generation, is the one who gives the life force the Jewish people to the Jewish people. And that's why Kerach and that's why Kairach was upset. Kairach was saying, why do you have to receive everything from Meishu Rabbeinu? It says even, the, even the, uh, those who rebel against the tzaddik, 
also they receive their sustenance from the tzaddik, says in Tanya. All the Jewish people are like, the head of the Jewish people is, like the, is compared to the head of the body, and everyone receives their energy from the head. So the Kerach's problem is, why are we all receiving our life force from Meshach Rabbein? You may teach us Torah on a higher level, okay, fine. But why is it that even the, the um, our, 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 our very, our very, uh, all of our things, our physical things, also come through you as well. Why the, the, it says about, for example, the uh, in the story of of this love, the Moshe Rabbeinu told Hashem, "How could I give them meat?" And it says in Chassidus that the meat had to come through Moshe Rabbeinu's neshama as well. Everything the Jewish people receive comes from Moshe Rabbeinu. Just the Meshavin was on a higher level, he couldn't give them the meat directly, and therefore his spirit had to go through the spirit of the 70 elders until it reached the Jewish people. So, so that was Kerach's issue. Why are, why are we totally dependent on you, our whole, our whole lives depending on you? We're, we're the same as you in, regarding the main thing, regarding the mitzvahs. So why, why is our whole life dependent on you? So what did Meshavin respond to them? Meshavin responded to them, in the morning, God will make known who is his? Why did Amisha say, let's wait till tomorrow morning? There are two explanations. One explanation Rashi says is, listen, right now you guys are drunk. Maybe by tomorrow you'll sober up and we'll be able to have a normal conversation. Another thing Amisha was telling them by saying wait till tomorrow morning is, just like you can't change morning until night, night until morning, God made rules in creation. Everything has their, their space. So too, you cannot change who is meant to be the leader of the Jewish people, who is meant to be the Kayin Gadol. They're just things that God made in the world. The, the, um, that's what Rashi says. But both explanations require further explanation. Rashi's first explanation, that the, why, is, why should we wait till tomorrow morning? We need to wait for there to be time to do tshuva. How long does it take to do tshuva, Abraham? How long, it, how long does it take to do tshuva? Right, it takes a second to do that. A second to do tshuva. So why wait till tomorrow morning to do tshuva? If it's about doing tshuva, you can do tshuva in a second. So, so if, if you want to wait any amount of time, so then there's no reason to wait uh, till tomorrow morning as opposed to next week or next month or next year. Wait till tonight. They were talking during daytime. But she said, let's talk tonight. Want to wait until some time passes? Let's talk tonight. And if Misha is saying to them, we, according to Rashi's second explanation, there are rules in life, there's day and there's night, and things have a certain space and certain parameters, he could have said to them, let's wait till tonight. Just like night can't be changed today, and day can't be changed, so, so too you can't change who's the Kayin Gadol. Why did Misha specifically say, wait till tomorrow, the morning? If it's about the fact that you can't change God's things that God made in the world, so then he could have said, let's wait till tonight. Tonight, night can't be changed. Rashi, both Rashi's explanations leave us wondering. The answer is like this. The author says in Tanya that the Gemara always uses the phrase teshuva and good deeds. It always says teshuva first, then good deeds. And the obvious question is, says, and a person comes to the world to do teshuva and good deeds. You would think first to do good deeds, and if you mess up, then there's a plan B, do tshuva. But the Altar says, no, the reason we're here in this world is do tshuva and good deeds. Why? The Altar says that every time you do a mitzvah, it should be done with a sense of tshuva. 
It should be done with a sense of, I want to be closer to Hashem. It should be done with, the, after we even want to call the Chabad movement, the Baal Shiva movement, everything should be done with a sense of true. Everything, everything should be done with a sense of, of being close to Hashem. So, when you do mitzvahs, the sense of tshuva, the sense of, I want to be connected, your mitzvahs become toivim They become luminous mitzvahs. They become good mitzvahs. On the other hand, if you learn Torah, you do mitzvahs because of some other selfish reason, your mitzvahs aren't luminous. For example, uh, if you have diamonds which are in mud, so the diamonds are still diamonds, but they're covered with mud. So it's possible that you learn Torah, but the covering, your thoughts and your feelings, your experience in the mitzvahs is the exact opposite of the content of a mitzvah. What's a mitzvah? A mitzvah means connection to Hashem. What am I experiencing when I'm doing a mitzvah? I'm experiencing that I'm even greater than I was before. I am getting I'm more and more arrogant with every page of Gemara that I'm learning. With every mitzvah I'm doing, I feel even better. Some people have a theme song in the, in, in, while they're doing a mitzvah. Tuki did a mitzvah. Tuki did a mitzvah. I'm doing a mitzvah. Look at me. Right? Some people have a, they, they, they're playing their, their theme song as, as they're doing mitzvahs. So there's, there's mud all over the mitzvahs. There's mud all over the diamonds. So it's true you have to do them anyways. The Torah says that deep down, deep within you, you're doing the mitzvahs because Yenashemah wants to connect Hashem. But the practically, as long as you haven't, and any further it says that every Jew will do tshuva. But as long as you haven't done tshuva, instead of your mitzvahs adding light to the world, they're, they're adding more darkness to the world. They're adding more mud to the world. So it's, it's, it's true that the, the mitzvahs are still mitzvahs, but a person might say, like, who cares if my mitzvahs are dark, bring darkness to the world? Bottom line is, I'm doing what Hashem wants me to do. Hashem said to do mitzvahs, I'm doing the right thing. Who cares if when a mitzvah is done, it draws down God's essence to the world? So it's a will of Hashem. Who cares if I have the right intent or the wrong intent? Ultimately, I'm achieving a home for Hashem. Hashem says a home is created for him by doing Torah, doing mitzvahs. I'm doing that. Mitzvahs draw down God's essence. A mitzvah draws God's essence into the world, and I'm doing that. What's it, why is it important to consider whether or not I'm adding more darkness to the world or more light to the world? I'm doing what Hashem said, I'm drawing down God's essence into the world. And the answer is that God's desire is not just that we should do mitzvahs, God's desire is also about how we are kavana. God's desire is also about what we think about when we do mitzvahs. Because there are two things that God wants. It's true He wants a home for Himself, but he has, a certain, he has a certain desire about the kind of home he wants for himself. He wants his home to be a luminous, beautiful home. He wants it to be luminous mitzvahs that brighten his home. He doesn't want to live in a, in a... Hashem wants windows in his home, in other words. He wants his home to be luminous and bright and beautiful. He doesn't just want it to just... That his, his essence should be there. He wants his essence to be revealed in his home. So that's what Moshe Ben told Kerach. Boiker, let's wait till tomorrow morning. What's going to happen tomorrow morning? Why do you say tomorrow morning specifically? Moshe told Kerach, you're asking. Mitzvahs are, are, are the main thing. We don't need to have a Moshe Rabbeinu. We don't need to have Aaron Akein. Because the main thing is the performance of mitzvahs. Moshe says, you have to know something. There's a caveat to that. The caveat to that is Hashem wants luminous mitzvahs. He wants morning. He wants light. The Yoyda Havaya literally means God will make known tomorrow morning what He wants. But it also means the Yoyda Havaya, God wants us to know Him. God wants us to know Him. God wants us not just to perform the mitzvahs. He wants us to know Him and do mitzvahs with a sense of connection to Him. 
with knowledge of godliness, openly and vividly and tangibly, the Jew is doing a mitzvah and he feels Hashem's presence. And that's what Rashi meant when he said, let's wait till tomorrow morning, you need to do tshuva. What does that mean? Moshe was saying to them, you could do tshuva two different ways. You could do tshuva because you're afraid of black angels coming to you and beating you up. You could do tshuva because you're afraid of getting beaten up. You're afraid you're going to lose something financially. There's so many reasons you may want to do tshuva. There are reasons. But that's a dark tshuva. Moshe ben Tolkerach, Hashem's desire is that there should be a luminous tshuva. That, when you do tshuva out of love, your Averis themselves turn into mitzvahs. And when you do tshuva out of fear, they don't turn into mitzvahs. In order to, to remove all the darkness and to bring the light, there has to be tshuva out of love. That's to be, that you have to have the morning kind of tshuva, not the nighttime kind of tshuva. And that's the second thing Moshe told Kerach. Kerach, Moshe told Kerach, Hashi says, just like you not, cannot change day into night, so too you cannot change who is the Kohen Gadol and who is the leader of the Jewish people. We asked, he could have said, just like you can't change night into day, why do you specifically say day into night? And the answer is, Kerach's problem was, why are you lifting yourself above the Jewish people? Why are you better than everybody else? We're all holy, we're all doing mitzvahs. So Moshe told them, it's true that a mitzvah is a mitzvah, whether you have good intense intentions, whether you have selfish intentions, whether you don't, a mitzvah is still a mitzvah. However, Moshe said, what does God want? He wants mourning. He wants mourning. It, they, they said to Moshe, why are you lifting yourself above everybody else? We're all holy and God is amongst us. A mitzvah draws down God's essence. But, Moshe said, it's true. A mitzvah does draw down God's essence. This is the will of Hashem. God wants night and God, wants, God created night and God created day. But God's desire is for, for, is for morning. God's desire is for, is for light. God wants our mitzvahs to shine. And that's why you need Moshe Rabbeinu. Why you need Moshe Rabbeinu? Moshe Rabbeinu's mitzvahs, first of all, now you understand why his mitzvahs are a whole different level than everyone else's mitzvahs. Because his mitzvahs are the most luminous mitzvahs of the Jewish people. And now you understand why you have to get all of your sustenance from Moshe Rabbeinu, not just your your inspiration to serve Hashem with your heart and mind, but also your mitzvahs have to be received through Meshach Rabbeinu, and especially for your mitzvahs to be luminous and bright and good, you need them to come through Meshach Rabbeinu, because the goal of Hashem is not just that we should do the mitzvahs, but the mitzvahs should be beautiful and luminous. So that's the two lessons we get from Parsha Shlach and Parsha Kerach. From Parsha Shlach we learn it's not enough just to be high in spiritual, action is the main thing. Okay. And now, Parshas Kerech, we're told, action is the main thing, yes. But Hashem doesn't just want the action. Hashem wants us to do the mitzvahs with life and vitality and kavana and thought. And this is very connected to the previous Rebbe, whose day redemption is in the 12th of Tammuz. He mysterious nefesh for two things. He mysterious nefesh for people to learn Aleph base. On the other hand, he mysterious nefesh that a Jew should do a mitzvah with... In, with, with we should dive in the way he's supposed to and his mitzvah should be done with the inner vitality the very same time he's talking to Hasidim telling him to dive in for four hours instead of two and he's, telling, he's, he's arranging a class to be taught to teach adults or children olive base so this is the, re- the way the Rebbe paved for all those who walk in his footsteps we have to be involved in both things we have to be involved in helping Jews the mitzvahs physically but we also have to see that the, the action of the mitzvah should be, done, should, be, should be pure and refined, and that's only achieved through studying the inner dimension of Torah and through davening.
And through both areas, the physical performance of mitzvahs and the intent and the davening and the interdimensional chsidus, that's what make the home to be for, for God's essence. And that God's essence should be revealed and luminously seen in our, to our eyes uh, with coming of Mashiach. Any questions or comments? All right, have a great day. Good work. I was growing up with my kids. Come Sunday.